Moving up, moving out, moving along. Where are you headed next? I'm Christy Cassidy, your host and the creator of Moving Along, a podcast about travel, relocation, and life transitions. Listen in to real life stories as we explore moving along and what it takes to make your life a positive new adventure. Welcome to Moving Along. Today, our guests are Candy and Dave Shortle, who moved to Hawaii with one duffel bag, three suitcases, and a car. We're going to explore what it takes to make such a big decision to move from mainland U.S. to Hawaii, which for many people is a dream come true. Welcome, Dave and Candy. Thanks, Christy. My pleasure. Mm, Nice to have you here. Candy and Dave. You both grew up in Marysville, Kansas. You met in the second grade. With a slight diversion, when Candy moved to Corning, New York, and then went to Skidmore College before returning to Kansas to finish college, you've been happily married ever since. With a family, children, and grandchildren who now live in the Silicon Valley, and family still in Kansas, Along the way, you had a brief foray to Connecticut, living there with friends for less than a year. But pretty much it's been Kansas. It was Kansas all the way. Dave, you were full-time Army National Guard in Kansas, where you guys lived for 20 years. And then when you retired, you moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where I met you. Then during COVID in 2021, you decided to sell your home in Santa Fe and move to the big island of Hawaii, to Waikoloa, where, to be fair, you already owned a condo, which you bought on one of your earlier vacation adventures. Let me ask you, what did travel and moving mean to you as a kid growing up in Kansas? Travel for me was exciting. I loved it. Every summer, my family and I It's just me and my mom and dad would go to a different city in the United States and um, stay there for about a week to 10 days while my dad had a business trip. And through that business, I got to see all the United States practically. It was just, it was really fun and I loved it. But that was my first experience traveling. How old were you when you started? I was probably nine and my dad was president of a hardware association. And so we, we got to go. That's why we were traveling like that. And the first place I went was Chicago. And that was just so exciting. We got to stay in the Waldorf Astoria and the presidential suite. That was fun. You were nine years old when you first went to Chicago. Did you drive? Oh, no, no. That year we flew. First time in an airplane, everybody all dressed up women in hats and gloves and me in a little dress and my little Mary Jane shoes. And it was uh, fancy. Do you think that fostered wanderlust? I don't think that one trip did, but then going someplace different every summer, I think that certainly did. It wasn't like we always went back to the same cabin on a lake somewhere, which is fine. But this just, I could see so many different parts of the country and know that there were so many different things out there. Dave, what about you? Oh, my dad was in the Air Force when I was young, and we traveled around a bit. I mean, relocated, relocated. When his life ended, uh, we went back to Marysville, and 
when we would travel after that, it would be my brothers and my mother and my grandparents, and we would head off, say, west with a semi-destination, but we always deviated. So we'd be gone sometimes for a month, <laughs> and I've never lost that desire to travel that way. Just pick up and go. Pick up and go, yeah. Like Yellowstone National Park was the destination, but we ended up on the Pacific coast of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that must have blown your mind. How old were you? Oh, eight, eight or nine years old, maybe. Brothers younger. We had a Ford station wagon and everybody piled in there and away we went. Did you camp along the way or did you stay in motels or how did that work? Camp a night or two and then stay in a motel with all the rollaway beds. <laughs> I had uh, two, two younger brothers. and Yeah, so we kind of split it up. At least gasoline was cheap in those days. But And that's not the only. We went to Minnesota, Wisconsin one year and ended up staying a month camping on a lake. And the only time we stayed in a motel was when we were actually moving from there back to Marysville. Did your dad die? Oh, yeah. He was a pilot in the Air Force, and it was a peacetime flight accident. He lived in Niagara Falls, New York. He was stationed at the Air Force Base there in an interceptor squadron. And uh, that Air Force Base is now Air National Guard facility. So you were pretty young when he died. I was just a couple months short of my fifth birthday, yes. So do you remember him? Oh, yes, certainly. And do you remember the moving around, the relocation, relocation, relocation? Uh, Yeah, earliest memory was being in Marysville while he was in Korea. And uh, my youngest brother was, he's a year and a half younger than me. He was we. And then when he, I remember him getting back, then we moved to somewhere in Alabama. And then while he did something in, you know, TDY somewhere and then up to, and we drove to New York. I remember legs of that drive, it's cloudy, but (laughs) I remember losing my cowboy hat out the window, actually. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, those traumatic things are always <laughs> And it's things like the cowboy hat that pegs the memory right to your, to the top of the, you know, those, those memories of the being very young. I think some people, they don't even have memories before they're five years old or more older. I think because of the movements that being in different places is what helps with that. And I think a traumatic thing like losing your father at that young age might spur you to try to keep memories alive. So you were in Niagara Falls, your dad dies, but then you have these amazing summertime adventures where you and your brothers and your mom and your grandparents go off on these adventures and you kind of see what's going to happen next you don't you, there might be a destination in mind but really you just might do something different right is that how you travel well it was last summer <laughs> <laughs> although we had destinations we did a lot of deviation and and planning we knew we wanted to go to cape cod and we knew we wanted to see you and then there were people on the west coast but in between we just went where we wanted yeah it was fun what, six weeks? Was it about six weeks on the road? 
Oh, no, more like seven, seven or eight. Okay. It was a trip of a lifetime. You decided to take a cross-country continental tour. You yeah. began in Cape Cod, right? Well, we oh. began in Santa Fe. In Santa Fe. Began in Santa Fe. We stopped to see family in Kansas. Then we stopped to see a sister of a good friend in Illinois. That was Jeanette's sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. We stopped to see Jeanette's sister. And then we meandered around. We were in Pennsylvania on the 4th of July, got to see the fireworks in some small place there, and then went to Cape Cod to stay with our good friends and stayed with them for about two weeks. They just built a new house and were having a lot of landscaping put in. So that was really exciting to see that. And then we came back across New York, stopped at your place. And then it was pretty much that there was not a destination until Seattle. That's great. You um, stopped in Corning. I remember that. After you left us in Hudson. Yes. Yeah, you know, we, yeah, we, we stopped in Corning and stayed longer than we thought we were because we had so much fun. The downtown had been revitalized after a flood in the 70s. And, and it was we just had a great time. And I could see all my old haunts and an old creek that I used to walk down to from our house and got to go there. And so Corning was great fun. Candy, yeah. was that the first time you'd been back to Corning since you were a kid or a no. teenager? No, I went back for a couple of high school reunions and then those sort of, you know, how high school reunions just sort of die away. <laughs> uh, didn't go anymore for that. And because everybody looks so old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just not right. So then we traveled really north, very much the north route across the United States. I mean, drove along the Lake Erie. Yeah, drove along Lake Erie. And then at one point, we could practically see Canada when we were up north in North Dakota. The smoke was terrible. From Duluth, Minnesota to Seattle, it was smoke. Yeah, it was the, all the wildfires. You couldn't see more than a quarter mile at some points when you're driving. These were the wildfires that were in Washington? Well, in, yeah, in uh, Minnesota, they were in Canada. And North That's Dakota, right. they were in Canada. And then the farther west we got into Montana, they were in Canada and Montana. We didn't see flames. We just saw the aftermath, smoke. the yeah. smoke. Which we were pretty familiar with from being in Santa Fe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep, so. exactly. <laughs> After 16 years in Santa Fe, in the high desert, you decided to move to an island. But you'd been vacationing various island regions for at least the last 10 years. What was yeah. the tipping point for you in deciding to move? Oh, I think when we went there in February of 2020, that's when COVID was just starting. When we came here. Yeah, we came here. To, to Hawaii. Condo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy. and um, only intended to spend like three months here and then come back. And, well, we couldn't get flights out until August, September <laughs> because of COVID. So we actually got Hawaii driver's licenses and became the residents of the state at that point. We'd been here long enough. And then in a few brief months, you know, through the holidays in 2020, and the election, <laughs> and then back to Hawaii in January of 2021. And we just uh, decided after that, that we just stay here. <laughs> I think staying here longer during 2020 
let us realize that we could live here. We've made a lot of friends here and um, we live in a condo complex and there's just some wonderful people that we've met and I just love them. And that was another thing that gave me that go ahead in my mind that I could live here because of the friendships I'd established. That's really nice. Sometimes it seems like it takes a lot of guts to move to a place where you don't know anyone. I agree. I totally agree. And and although we've done it (laughs) several times. When we moved to Santa Fe. And when we moved to Hayes, when you went to school. It does take that. And you need to feel pretty secure in your relationship (laughs) with the person you're moving with. Because for a long time, that's the only other person you'll really have (laughs) until you get to meet some people. Do you think that Hawaiians are friendly? Is that part of it, that they're open? Oh, yes. (laughs) The aloha spirit. It's just very casual, very connected to the earth and the island and their uh, native past and a a very easygoing, just a a nice place to live. You said you didn't have friends when you went to Santa Fe either, so you just kind of dove right in. I've never worried about that. Candy meets everybody and makes friends. So (laughs) that's who I meet is people. (laughs) You know, always easy with her around. You have your forward guard there. Go back to this notion of a tipping point. Dave, I think at one point you said too, because of COVID and people moving out of cities that real estate, I mean, it's not just in Santa Fe, but all over the country, the real estate shot up and that that was another motivating factor for you in deciding to sell the house. Absolutely. We arrived in Hawaii in January of 2021. And I was thinking, gee, it sure would be nice to just stay here. And I got an email from a realtor in Santa Fe, Bernadette Parnell. If she hadn't prodded me, I may not have done anything about it. So I called her and she says, well, things are selling really well and the market's way up and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, okay, I had a doctor's appointment the first part of May. So I went back mid-April and I called her and she says, get it on the market now. So it was probably mid-May before we could get everything ready and get it on the market. And it sold in five days. And I was still Yeah. I I was still in Hawaii. So he and Bernadette did it all. That's the way to sell a house, folks. (laughs) Send your partner ahead to do it all. Yeah. Do you think if you hadn't had the place in Hawaii, would you have been so willing to sell the place in Santa Fe? I'll say I'll say no. Yeah, we probably not. That would have been a, a bigger logistical issue. You know, we already had a place to live here, so we didn't have to go look. Right. And and the prices were way up here, too. We probably couldn't have afforded to get in in this market the way it is now. So we're fortunate to be in it in here. And I think that prices have almost doubled here. Yeah. And I think that's something that I would tell people if they're thinking of moving somewhere, go and rent a house, a condo, or whatever for a month or two and get a feel for it. We were able to do that here. And so we figured out finally we could live here and would want to live here. And, and and when we moved to Santa Fe, we'd been there over the years. So we knew what Santa Fe was. 
But just to pick a spot on a map and say, that's where I want to go. Now, that would take some guts. <laughs> that's a little scary, even to me. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because you guys travel around a lot and you always seem to be looking for islands. And I remember you went to Costa Rica. Didn't you go to Puerto Rico, too? Yeah, well, we did. We went to the little island of Vieques off of Puerto Rico. Absolutely enchanted place. Esperanza Vieques. Yeah, it was a great little place. Yeah. Nice. But so why Hawaii and not, say, the Caribbean or even Mexico like those other friends of yours? Yeah, I never had a desire to go to Mexico. Dave doesn't want to live in Mexico. Okay, uh, well, that was the easy one. How did you settle on Hawaii? Because it was the U.S., I think, was a big part of it. Yeah, it was part of the United States. So is Puerto Rico, right? My medical benefits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Things were just iffy there. Yeah. Uh, and it's so much hotter in Puerto Rico than it is here. The climate here is not real hot and it never freezes. Like today, of course, it's winter or almost winter. And today the high will be low to mid 80s and the lows will be upper 60s to low 70s. And it's a paradise. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had a lot of visitors to paradise? A few. I think that the trip sort of scared. I don't know if they scares, but it just seems like it's such a long way. And it is. And for a while, airfares were so high. But now this last few months, they've just plummeted trying to get people in, you know, trying to get tourism back up again. But so no, you have a place to stay and you yeah. won't be having to spend money for lodging. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that yeah, under advisement. <laughs> I really thought more people would take us up on visiting. We do have friends from uh, Santa Fe that are coming in January. Nice. In February. And so that'll be sort of fun. And it's just so much fun to show people around. But we've also learned that it's a small condo. It's about 1,200 square feet. But you've also learned that if people stay more than a week or so, it's just might be a little too long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a point well, at which... 10 days or two weeks are okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Two weeks. I don't know. But so there's that. And it's a long, long ways to come just if they're going to spend a week or so. So do you send them off to the other islands to tour the state? I would hope they'd want to do that. You know, Maui's congested. Oahu is a big city, uh, Honolulu. And Kauai seems to be where everybody wants to go. Right. Uh, but I love it here. The big island, they say, is laid back. It's very laid back. Yeah. And it's not nearly as developed as the other islands, which we found when we visited other places. So that's why we liked it here. Another reason to come here fit our lifestyle better than, you know, a big city or just a congested little island. Since moving there, is there anything that's really surprised you once you became residents of Hawaii? Oh, I don't think so. After being kind of trapped here during COVID, and I can't say that's fair because we didn't really want to leave anyway. But I think we learned a lot of lessons then. And the big thing was finding something to do other than tourism. <laughs> Talk to me about what you found. Well, I think that's also something people should consider if they're thinking of moving to a paradise like this. You know, you're not going to spend every day on the beach. In fact, I don't even go to the beach that often. I hate to admit it. We've got a beautiful pool here in our complex. 
and I can see the ocean, but I don't feel the need to go to the beach that frequently. But I think a lot of people just think it's a constant vacation, but after a while, you need something to occupy your time. Maybe a part-time job. I've done that, so I didn't want to do that anymore. But I do volunteer at a thrift shop three days a week, and I've met some wonderful people through that, not to mention getting some great buys. <laughs> and so that I think that's really important. What am I going to do? Ask yourself, what am I going to do there when the the first blush of living in paradise sort of fades a little bit? We found a community garden in Waikoloa Village, and that has generated friendships. And, and you can volunteer at the garden to do all kinds of things to help other than just your garden plot, but to help improve the whole place. And yeah, you are a gardener, Candy. You're pretty good at it, too. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. The soil is all volcanic ash base and some organic hubris from grasses that have decomposed and such. We're on the dry side of the island, so the rainfall isn't common here, although we did have a nice rain. And then trying to till lava rock to get the <laughs> ash up to the top, you have to amend it with stuff from Lowe's and Home Depot. You know, you plant green beans and they grow up in a big vine. And if the insects don't chomp them to pieces, it, they stay there for a year or two. <laughs> there's no season. There's no there's no real growing seasons here as that are as different in other parts of the country. It's nice all year round, although we're beginning to recognize the seasons, the mm-hmm. changes. But it's I, I asked a, a woman who sort of manages the community garden one time I said well we should have a like a harvest party thinking you know in the fall have a harvest party and she looked at me like why <laughs> I mean harvest that's not something we do at this particular time it's just all year yeah we have an eggplant bush that's three feet tall <laughs> <laughs> wow and so it just eggplants year-round yeah Japanese and uh, conventional and where and where I work at the the dusty donkey is what it's called. The people who live here and have gardens and trees and I swear at least twice a week we get a big bag of avocados. Somebody brings them in or different citrus fruit and papaya. Uh, yeah, papaya and it's pretty amazing. People share all that stuff. I don't think we bought fruit. We did buy strawberries the other day. Yeah, but it, it's pretty uh, incredible what you can harvest here. Well, I'll tell you about my the several different times that we flew over here before we moved here. Yes. And we rented we rented the condo. It was a rental for the first two or three years that we owned different, it. Different. Oh. And um we rented it out. We rented it out. And then when we'd come here, we'd move in. We had a storage shed and we'd move our stuff in into the condo that we really didn't want to share with others. And sort of make it home for a month or so when we were here, like in that respect. But eventually that got longer and longer. And I can't tell you how I hated packing everything up and putting it back in storage and then getting it out again. Things like better pots and pans and nicer dishes and our clothes that we didn't take to Santa Fe with us. That was just annoying to have to do all of that. Another reason that it pushed us just to move here. So we didn't have to do that every time. But that might be something that people could consider doing. If they're thinking about moving someplace and they have the funds, uh, is buying uh, a condo or something and then renting it out and then coming and living in it for a few months out of the year. They can make some money on the condo and they can get a feel for what it's like to live here. 
So that I think was that was fortuitous for us the way that happened. Would you ever consider renting it and then like say coming back or going to visit somebody else? The flip side of it now that you're there? Well, you have to have a license to rent. Now if friends would come and stay here, that would be fine. But if we took money for it, then legally we'd have to have the license, which we did have, but we gave that up. Lowers our taxes a lot to give that up. Yeah, getting residency and not having this as a rental property. And being 70 years old. And being 70. Yeah, Yeah, all of that contributes to vastly lower property tax. I was going to ask you about some of the big considerations people should think about. And one is expenses, right? You've told me the groceries are more expensive, but it sounds like you got free avocados. Hey. I know. How can you go wrong? I love them. Dave's allergic, so I get all of them. And he gets the eggplant. You get the avocados like that. Well, we came from Santa Fe and you know what it was like there. Well, you know what it's like where you are too. The prices were high in Santa Fe. Prices are a little bit higher here availability availability we have friends the friends of ours on cape cod questioned what they were doing built a house on cape cod and bought a condo here and they said that we're at the end of the supply chain on on both ends you know so availability is limited many times and that's not due to COVID. that's just Uh, the nature of the beast it's the nature of the beast and yeah the supply chain you know the breakdown in that recently well COVID, due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. COVID. And then let me ask you, expenses, what about transportation and why you decided to move your car and how you did it? Well, cars are much more expensive here. And we really liked our Subaru. And it was fairly new. And I think it costs about 1500 to put it on a boat and ship it from Oakland, California to here. It was a lot cheaper to ship a very sound and three-year-old car here that was paid for (laughs) (laughs) and rather than going to the expense of, I don't know, we would have had to rent a car for a while to to buy one. And the rental cars here right now are out of sight expensive. Yeah. 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 There was such a shortage. When COVID hit, all the rental car agencies got rid of their cars. They just took them off island. And so then when tourism started picking up again a little bit, there were no rental cars. And it wasn't unusual to see like $400 a day, $500 a day for a rental car. Wow. Yeah. So we rented for the first couple of years when we came here and we rented a car and we're just staying for a couple of months. And then we realized that's crazy. So we first purchased a little Hyundai, drove that around. We have a parking spot associated with our condo. Mm-hmm. So we could leave it here when we went back to Santa Fe. And we picked that up for real cheap. And it allowed us to get around. And we drove that around for like two years, I think, when we came to visit. Yeah. Kept it in good shape. And then I sold it to one of the women who works on the landscaping crew here at our condo. I didn't even have to put a sign up because decent cars are in such demand that word got out and she came and knocked on my door and said she wanted to buy my car. And I said, fine. (laughs) Let me ask you about the duffel bag and the three suitcases, (laughs) because this has been the burning question. And that is, how did you decide what to take and what to sell or give away? Did you have help? Did you just like say, oh, we've done this before. This is easy. Or was it hard? What was the emotional? 
part well, of it. The part was we had an estate sale at our house when we sold it. And the hardest part was figuring out then what goes and what stays. And we came out on the house so well that we thought, why spend a fortune to ship stuff there when the items weren't worth what it cost to ship it? <laughs> In particular, a lot of Dave's tools. He yeah. did bring some with him he couldn't part with. Hand tools. Hand tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know me. I was a collector from the get-go, and I had over several hundred pieces of Stengel pottery that I collected over decades. That was tough. And my mom, her mother passed down to her and then to me uh, a huge set of Haviland china that came from Germany. And I really wanted to try to sell those things before the estate sale. But that's a lot of work. Nobody wanted it. (laughs) And well, if I'd gone online and done my Stengel online, I could have. But Shipping, nobody lives around the Santa Fe area that collects Stengel. So getting everything ready to ship and doing all that. And I just decided Didn't have time. I'm done. I'm done with it. It took me a while to get there, though. It wasn't a snap decision that, okay, I'm just going to sell everything. It was over many months that I realized I don't need that stuff. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved collecting it. Morgan and I would collect it when she was just a you know, in elementary school, we'd go to flea markets and she'd point out something I'd missed and we'd feel so good that we'd found a piece of Stengel. But, you know, that was over. And the other thing is to have an honest conversation with your kids or anyone who might inherit your things. Do they even want it? Morgan was really honest about what she wanted and what she didn't. She wanted a lot of artwork, but not necessarily Well, she didn't want the Haviland for sure. And she didn't want all the stangle. I'd already given her a complete set of that. And so that helped too. So did you let the estate sale people handle it? You didn't go to eBay or you didn't go to collectors and try to sell the collections as a whole. Well, the Haviland as a set, right? Right. We were so fortunate to get somebody to do the estate sale. That's another thing. In a timely manner. When you realize all the houses that are being sold, well, a lot of them are having estate sales too. So to try to find a, an estate sale person who could fit us into a schedule that wasn't three and four months out, that was a shock. We really lucked out. It turned out the woman was an alumni of Kansas State University. So we've had a little bond there. But that's something you don't even, I didn't even think about that, how hard it would be to get an estate sale schedule. But we let her sell it all. They just did everything. And yeah, some of the things that I just treasured didn't. We go. got a nice check. We got a nice check, and that paid for our cross country tour. <laughs> yeah. And more. That's nice. You would recommend, say, give it over to an estate sale professional and just let it be if you can. Otherwise, you're going to just labor over every single piece you pick up and try to price it and. I mean, that worked for us. So well, you'd have to have a stable base. You'd have to have a storage facility. It yeah. was just all too complicated. For us, it was fine. Some people might want to sell it all themselves. That just wasn't something I wanted to do. I don't regret it. I don't think I've had one day that I think, oh, my God, I wish I had all my whatever. You know, a few little pieces that I think, oh, wonder what happened to that. I miss a tour, too. But yeah, he misses his, some of his tools. I but got Amazon. Yeah, I can imagine the tools. Those were always the things that went first at the garage sales in Santa Fe anyway. And we rely on Amazon 
heavily. Is there any other advice you would give for people considering moving to Hawaii from the mainland? Well, selling our house was a big deal that got us out of that debt. So we have more money to deal with the prices here. Right. But um, I would say I miss snow and Dave doesn't. So I've already told Morgan next year we're coming to the mainland somewhere and I want to go someplace where there's pretty snow for Christmas. I don't want to be in a long time. I don't want a snowshoe. I don't want to get cold. I just want to be able to look out my window, sit by a fire, look out my window and see snow. So that's, that's just a little bit. Know that you can survive without having the change of seasons. That's something everyone asked us when we came here. You think we'll like it without change of seasons and, I'm okay with that, except the snow by Christmas. I, I think I noticed the season change here, the end of November. It just cooled off in a week. We'll get the trade winds that come in and cool things off, and they're wonderful. But it's not just going to you know, blow your house down. You can down. drive up to Mauna Kea. Yeah, and we do have snow on Mauna Kea. And we can see it when it snows. That's nice. So are you going to drive up there to get your snow? Probably not. not. Probably <laughs> not. There's a huge telescope up there and it's a observatory. And you have to get up there by appointment only up to the very top where the snow is. You can get to a visitor center, but the last I knew there wasn't any snow there. So and that's at what the top the is fourteen thousand feet. So yeah, we can look out our window and see the top of the mountain with the snow, but not like it's on my front porch. And your question was asking what people should consider when deciding to move here. Healthcare is something to think of. This island does not have an extensive healthcare system. If you need anything special, really specialized, you go to Honolulu. That's a great point about healthcare. It sounds to me like you guys don't have any regrets. No. No. No, no I miss people. I miss some friends. Miss you guys. Yeah. We miss you too. It was nice to see you when you came through. That was fun. Well, you guys, this has been so great. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to tell me? Golf courses here are magnificent. Oh, yeah. I bet for a lot of people, that is a big draw. I'm looking at the 14th fairway right out my back door here. Do you ever have any balls come your way? Uh, We have. Every once in a while. Yeah. Only a few in the last four years or so, I'd say. Yeah. Depending on where you are from the tee box, some people have it more frequently than others. We don't, thank God. I got to play at Mauna Kea Golf Course last weekend. That was kind of the primo course on the island. It occasionally hosts the Hawaiian Open, a PGA event. So that was rather fortunate. The green fees are so high, but a friend of a friend gave a friend, four free passes. So we had a great, great afternoon. A lot of people come here for the golf, definitely. A lot of Japanese tourists come here for the golf. Yeah. Yeah, we just opened up to Japan not long ago. It was cut off for a while because of COVID, but now that's opened up. You really should come and visit. I realize you had family that you visited this time when you were on the West Coast, but you really should check fares and, you know, Hawaiian air. I don't know what flies out of well, everything flies out of New York. Yes, we will. We will. Yeah, the, the trick is not to come over spring break when all the kids and the college kids are around or really over the holidays because that's it's always really crowded. But there's slower months like March. Anyway, yeah, keep October, track. October, November. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah. 
Okay, anyway, well, that's good advice too, actually. If you want to come to visit and think about moving here. Yeah. Avoid spring break. The peak season here is January, February, March. You know, in April, the prices go back down at the golf courses. So in peak season, they raise their prices. Right. <laughs> and then they go down the first of April. You guys, it's so nice to see you. Love Take you. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Thank you for listening. I'm Christy Cassidy, your host. We'll be back next time with more stories of travel, relocation, and life transitions on Moving Along. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time.